and welcome to Beyond Sunday. We are in week three of What Does Love Require series. Welcome. I have Crystal and Pastor Steve with us today. How's it going? Great. Crystal. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. I'm enjoying this series so much. So am I. It's been so much fun. And I just want to say to everyone, if if you jumped right into this uh, podcast or YouTube episode, and you haven't listened to our sermons, um, some of what we talk about may be confusing or may not make sense, and I'm not going to try to catch you up on everything. So go listen to the sermons. Um, Listen to Pastor Steve this weekend, week three. um, Did a phenomenal job of um, unpacking Old Covenant, New Covenant, um, and taking it even further in terms of helping us understand the differences between the two, um, how valuable and awesome the Old Old Testament is, how we don't need to live under the Old Covenant, which we've covered, but you took it even further because you went through so many New Testament scriptures that are coaching us and teaching us and reminding us you don't live in the Old live right. fully in the new. And that's where this series is headed now. Um, this weekend was the pivotal weekend between old and new. And for the next three weekends, we're going to talk about the new, mm-hmm. uh, what Jesus brought and what's uh, available to us. And honestly, I believe a lot of Christians don't completely understand all that mm-hmm. this means yeah, for them. I agree. And I think that's a lot true. of Christians are still living by the rules and trying to be a good person yeah. and all that. And it's like, no, Jesus made me a good person. I'm going to spend the rest of my life responding him. Yeah. Well, that we're going to talk about the ethic of love and we're all still trying to figure out how to live that out. And, right. um, but when we also are trying to live out the old, it gets so much more difficult and right. so much more confusing. So I think we all grew up in churches that use the phrase, uh, mix and match or blending the old and new. So we're trying to pick and choose different ones and combine them to form this like two covenant system that a lot of us grew up mm-hmm. being taught, not with those words, but that's essentially that what was what was being. No, taught, I don't think people right? understood that. I don't. I think the, they were taught the Bible is the Word of God, so everything in it is still for us, and those commands are still for us. And so, basically, the New Testament is just kind of Old Testament 2.0. Right. And yeah. That's yeah. not what the New Testament teaches at all. Yeah, and we believe the the Bible is the Word of God. Of the whole thing was given to us by God, and especially the Old Testament was miraculously preserved for us. Right. Um, but. It, it's more complicated than just saying it's the word of God. It, right. It's actually, there's, there's a lot more going on that requires us to understand and study of right. how, how was this written? Why was it written? Who was it written to? What was its purpose? And some of it directly applies to us and others is historical information. That's awesome for us to know. Right. And even in calling the Bible, the word of God, it's a little bit off because the new Testament calls Jesus, the word of God. Mm. And the Bible is the words of God and the words of men, and it's inspired by God. Yeah. But Jesus is actually the word of God. In, be- in the beginning was the word, mm-hmm. John tells us. So even that teaching is a little bit off. Okay, so I felt like in the church I grew up in, the Bible was a member of the Trinity. Well, actually, hmm. the Bible might have been the, maybe it, w- it would have gone Jesus, Bible, and Father. And I, I didn't hear much about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Unpack that. like Bible what? more than fought. Like, like it was very Bible. We are a church that studies the word of God. That's that's our mission. That's our purpose. Like you hear right. that language more than you hear. We're the church that loves the world. Right. What the Jesus, world, Jesus loves commands Jesus. around love. Like you didn't. Yeah. You, I mean, that would be all talked about and those, those scripture would be studied, obviously. Right. And I even feel bad saying that because they're all wonderful pastors that, that I 
have oh, deep respect bet. for and love. But my dad was one of those pastors, and he loved the Lord Jesus deeply, but he also had been taught this other way to the point where the Bible as a book was revered to the point where you never put it on the ground, you never put like anything on top of it, even another book. Mm. It like almost like an I- idol. Yeah. Instead of the guidebook that it is, the covenant that it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's leave that one. Um, although we could talk about that for a while. I want to talk about what about your experience? We all grew up in church. How was the old covenant kind of enforced for you growing up? Were there rules or regulations you had to follow in church, Crystal? I did. Uh, I similarly grew up in a church that um, was um, highlighted the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. um, very significantly uh, with Jesus as well. So I feel like the the tears probably would have been Jesus, Holy Spirit, Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I grew up, I didn't wear pants until I was age 18 and I had to make the decision because really? that was an old, uh, it was a rule based on um, a a law in the old covenant that a woman couldn't wear the apparel of men. And so Uh that was translated that women couldn't wear pants. And so, um, I was trying to live in the freedom of Christ. I always wanted to know the why behind the what, and Uh I could never settle the reason why I couldn't. Um, I felt restrictive in one way, but was supposed to live in freedom on in another way. So I lived a life that was pretty restrictive based on the thou shalts that were potentially not in mm-hmm. um, written down. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the other ones? Um, I couldn't. Um, well, I b- by the time I got to the age that I could, but my brother was not allowed to go to prom because it was dancing, right. um, to uh, football games because there were potentially people drinking alcohol or using language mm-hmm. that was not appropriate. We couldn't go to the movies. Um, I remember going to the movies when I was six with my aunt, and I I literally remember thinking, if Jesus comes back right now, I won't go to heaven Mm -hmm. because I was in the movies um, because that was a, a law that I knew I could had to keep um so there were lots of little rules that um I lived by that felt very uncomfortable sometimes um when then hearing that Jesus is gracious and forgiving and merciful and um so I had to work that out for myself and I remember the day that um, I decided to wear pants and to tell my parents that I had to do that and I couldn't even tell my father so my mom did it for me and I drove back to college and I was crying because I felt like I was breaking a rule but um, feeling the love of um, knowing that was potentially going to break my father's heart but following in the freedom that I felt in Christ to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, I grew up much similar. Th- those all those rules I relate to. Our one of our pastors in our church didn't go to the bowling alley because there were people there that were uh, drinking, and he didn't play pool or play uh, cards, playing cards. Got in trouble mm-hmm. for that too. <laughs> uh, on Sunday, his children were not allowed to play outdoors because it was Sabbath, uh, mm-hmm. and it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. kid grows up in that, and then says, "Why would I want?" Right. To- why would I want this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, gr- mine, mine wasn't that legalistic. My, my church, my church, my church actually spent more time like, um, coming at science as a, as an enemy and as a, mm. a threat to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it came back to the Bible. We have to defend the Bible at all costs because, you know, we're kind of, everything hinges on that. And, and so there was this, this fear of, to the Jenga, like things could crumble. It, there was this um, mentality of it, sometimes it felt like there was a fear to a- don't ask questions mm-hmm. um, because 
you might find something that we don't want you to find. And so let's all just. Right. Um, and let's, let's demonize all, just all of science and yeah. make religion and science in opposition to one another instead yeah. of how they could be friends. Right. And, I, and I've, as I've wrestled with things, I've come to discover that even science, science is the exploration of God's creation, right? Mm -hmm. And so the digger you deep, the digger you the, deep, the, digger you deep <laughs> Amen. the more you're going to find Jesus, the more you're going to find God. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. That now, along the way, it may be curious, like, huh, mm -hmm. how did God do, how did those connect? Man, but I don't have all the answers. how did he but, do it is different than did he do it. Right, correct. Mm -hmm. And this is what correct. I found even with my Christian friends who believe a lot more in the evolutionary theories than I actually believe, because I think a lot of those theories require more faith than mm -hmm. what I have. Mm -hmm. But it's great to still believe at the end of the conversation that we're both Christians. And I wasn't raised like that. I was raised that if you don't believe, and back then it was a six 24-hour days of creation, and then God rested. If you don't believe that, you can't be a Christian, because that's in the Bible, and you're saying the Bible's not true. Mm -hmm. And so... Hey, can we come back to your thing? How did your dad, like, how did he adjust to the crystal that was living in freedom? We never had a conversation about it. Um, and still, probably for the next two years, I wouldn't wear pants around him, but mm -hmm. I would wear them around um, on campus or mm -hmm. wherever I was with my friends. Um, and we've never had a conversation about it, but now my mom, um, I believe at the age of 55, um, or almost 60 began to wear pants. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes. <laughs> so the freedom has spread. And so yeah. he no longer believes that that's a part of your salvation. Um, so I saw the fruit of that, um, um, mm. extended to my mom and cool. into the house. So that was good. But listen how you attached it to salvation. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus was coming against. Right. Yes. Israel's salvation was in keeping the Sinai covenant. Our salvation is in believing on Christ, right. that mm -hmm. he fulfilled the Sinai covenant. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's two different things. Amen. 100%. So true. Yeah. That doesn't give me, you know, book of Galatians is great for this. It doesn't give me liberty to go out and just do whatever I want. As a matter of fact, it restricts me more because my love of Christ compels me to want to be pleasing to him and want to not stumble younger believers and also want to uh, communicate a clear gospel to the world. Mm. So, but that's completely mm. different. My behavior is not to get me into heaven. My behavior is worship. Mm. I found it easier to obey when it's, it's flowing out of an awe and a gratefulness mm. rather than a sense of duty. Mm. When it's a sense of duty, I feel like it's, it's more difficult to stick with it. It just doesn't, it, it's not as powerful of a motivator. Well, look, when you fail, it creates more shame. And when yes. you succeed, it creates more pride. Mm -hmm. Neither yeah. of those are good for you. Mm -hmm. That's true. And that's, that's why true. I always wanted to know the why behind the what. Because if I knew why I couldn't, then that I would be okay with it. But mm -hmm. I never had a, a complete answer as to why not. Um, so I 100% believe. And I would have the same kind of heart. Oh, you're wearing pants. Are you a Christian? Mm -hmm. And as a little kid, I would have that. And so it did create this judgmental, prideful heart mm -hmm. of mine as a little child, not understanding the what behind the, the yeah. what behind yeah. the what. So I feel like as a, as, a, as a church, American church, we've made progress in the last few decades. It, not every church, but a lot of churches have made a lot of progress on this and kind of and kind of getting rid of legalism and, and moving in this direction, which has been really help, helpful. But I think a lot of people who don't go to church they don't know the church has made progress in this area. And so the the impression by non-believers who don't go to church of what the church is, is still these things. That That's the predominant impression that people have mm -hmm. is this type of church. And so 
you see that in if you're active inviting people to church, you see all sorts of different reactions, but right. you definitely see the reaction, especially out of men who don't go to church of, no, I don't want to live by those rules. Mm-hmm. Or young people that have grown up mm-hmm. in those churches and they graduate and they're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Going to church. It doesn't, I don't feel like I need that. Mm-hmm. We need to have churches that people feel like they need. Mm-hmm. And they do. I mean, you need Jesus, but if we don't, if we're communicating rules more than the love of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think, and I don't know if we talked about this before. I think even if you didn't grow up in a church that blended the old covenant, I think the natural inclination of the human heart and mind is to veer in that direction if unchecked. There's a there's a safety and a comfort in having things defined in black and white and just tell me what to do and I'll do them. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think as much for myself. I don't even have to know the Bible. Um, I can. There's all sorts of implications to that, but I think that's a natural drift. So if we don't talk about it and if we don't check it, the church is going to kind of revert. And you see that these cycles of the church kind of reverting back in that direction and then having to be mm-hmm. corrected. And then it kind of drifts back into legalism. Mm-hmm. And the church we're responsible for is Cornerstone. And so I would tell um, all of you that are watching this to make sure you and your friends are reading the Bible. Read the New Testament. Get into a Bible study that actually studies the Bible. Uh, Discuss the Bible because it's in the New Testament that all these things that we're talking about are really explained in detail. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's every book, not every book of the New Testament, but most of the books of the New Testament address the New Covenant Mm -hmm. in a different way. So John... He says it differently than Paul, but man, yeah. if you read both of these guys and the author of Hebrews and then read the words of Christ, you're going to understand everything we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. My junior year of high school, I decided that I, I wanted to be serious about my faith and follow Jesus and learn what it meant to be a disciple and like started really taking it seriously. And I had a community group leader who was, this guy was awesome. And he, him and I had a conversation. I talked to him about it. I said, here's what I want. Like, I really want to be like, I want to follow Jesus. Mm. And um, different than when I accepted him when I was seven years old. Like I was, I was, I, right. I knew more of what I wanted now. Right. And um, he said, okay, here, we're going to meet together. I'm going to disciple you. And he handed me the small little New Testament. You know, those little New Testament books. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start reading the gospel of John. Just read it a bunch of times and don't even read anything else. Just start there. And when you feel like you've really processed and you know the gospel of John, then read the other three gospels. And then when you feel like you ha- then read the New Testament. Hmm. And so I, I, I did it and we met and we processed and it was just a great time. And um, but now looking back, I see the wisdom and what he was doing, because imagine if he and imagine if I was really a new Christian at that point and I didn't know anything about the Bible. And he handed me the whole Bible and he right. said, start in Genesis right. and figure that out and then figure out Exodus, figure out Leviticus. Deuteronomy. And then you can get your way. It's just it there was wisdom in him saying and and nothing what he said did he say the old testament wasn't important no it is he important. was he was just wise and helpful with saying start with the most important there you go and i'm I'm so thankful for that yeah start with the better covenant yeah yes. yeah yeah that's super cool so anyways how did you come about the change in your life from a legalistic girl to the free woman that you are today i know you and your husband and you guys live in freedom how did that happen? Um, I came to a point in my life where I was completely alone, away from anyone that I knew. So I was 3,000 miles away from my family in California, and I knew maybe one person. And so the my relationship with Jesus was founded on, I don't know how I'm going to survive. You're the only thing that I have. Show me how to do this. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I would stay in my apartment for, I didn't know anyone. So after work, I would come home and I read my Bible cover to cover and I just read it and I asked him to show me and I started Mm. to see him bring life where I, where I felt like there was no life before. And he just became my closest best friend and Mm. showed me how to live life. And, um, my husband has also helped me. Um, he's, um, culturally Jewish and um, biologically Jewish. He's 99% Ashkenazi Jew. And so he didn't grow up in a home that was restrictive in any way. But him coming into Christ, I felt like we've had this beautiful marriage of freedom. Like now he knows the freedom of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that the freedom of Jesus through new eyes and mm-hmm. just seeing that and living that out with someone else. And um, also, like I said before, seeing my family also live in that freedom now is just beautiful. But that's how I came to my own relationship with God is him coming, becoming my best friend. I had to pray for the food that I ate because I didn't know where the next meal would come from. And I saw him bring people to bring me food and just seeing that the love that I didn't have to do anything for him to love me, mm-hmm. that he loved me. I had nothing and he still showed me love. And that's where I began to see that mm-hmm. I didn't have to do anything for him to love me. Oh, that's that so cool. he, I was free to live. That is a wonderful mantra. I don't have to do anything for God to love me. He loves me. Cause I didn't have anything to give or do. Mm-hmm. And he still loved me. Man. Aren't we all looking for that? Yes. That's wonderful. It really is. Hmm. It's uh, one of the the topics you you taught on was um, how hard it was for the disciples to let go of the old and how long it took them. And that's that's comforting to me Mm -hmm. to know that um, some of their lessons around, oh, wait, I don't have to follow the old covenant was 20 years, five years, 20 years after. Mm hmm. Jesus ascended after um, um, Pentecost and they still were trying to live out the old because they thought they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to let go. Yeah, it is. Because and it was harder you wonder, for them. Am but... I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Am I letting go of too much? And uh, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Um, let's talk about um, a question that I've heard people ask with this series is, getting more specific around things that they've tried to follow. Do I still need to follow? Let's talk about Sabbath. Um, what is, what is your take on what a, a new covenant Christian Christ followers responsibility is in terms of following Sabbath? Um, not to follow legalistically and it doesn't have to be Friday night to Saturday night. Um, it's really smart to take Sabbath because according to the creation account, even God rested and so regardless of a command or not a command, you, we would look at that and say, God is doing that not because he needs rest, but to be an example to us. Like some of the things Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't need to do some of the things he did, but he did them as an example to us. And so the first thing I would say is you don't take Sabbath because you're somehow earning your way to heaven or that makes you pleasing or unpleasing to God. You take Sabbath because your body needs Sabbath. And he created the machinery Literally, a lot of people, if they don't take Sabbath, they need the entire weekend to recuperate from the five days of work. But I have found that if I take a 24-hour Sabbath, I really could could just I could work six days a week a lot a lot, because 24 hours of fully resting is a great idea. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the New Testament church took Sabbath, but they changed it to Sundays instead of Saturdays, so there would be very clear distinction between them and the Jews, and also because Sunday morning was when Jesus was resurrected, and Mm -hmm. they didn't want to do anything else on Saturday night or Sunday morning or Sunday but to think about the resurrected Christ. Mm -hmm. 
So that's another reason to take Sabbath. Uh, it's another reason to attend church for that matter is that it's a different day than every other day, but we don't do it because the Ten Commands say to do it because mm -hmm. we don't we don't we don't we don't live under the Ten Commands. Mm -hmm. But I take Sabbath, and mm -hmm. I'm glad I do. How have you processed through that question, Crystal? I recently started researching Sabbath because I was reading the Ten Commandments, and I was like, hmm, that's a command that people generally kind of dismiss, like, oh yeah, rest. Like I will, mm -hmm. but it's a part of God's heart. He said it for some reason, and He called it holy for some reason. Mm -hmm. So why do we kind of just dismiss it, right? Mm -hmm. So I started um, digging into the idea of Sabbath, and from creation, after He created, He rested, and then I get to Exodus. He brings out the the children of Israel to uh, the desert, and He's before He even gives the command um, to have the sabbath day and keep it holy he says that he tests them with the manna right so he says hey i'm going to test you to see if you're going to even obey this command and i'm going to ask you to pick up for six days and on the seventh day you can't pick up and so i started seeing that even before he gave the command he mm -hmm. was wanting his creation to rest because they were slaves and he is he reminds them in deuteronomy 5 hey remember you were slaves before now mm -hmm. you're free so you have me to take care of you you don't have to strive and work and so pulling that through and you get to leviticus and in leviticus 25 it talks about a sabbath year so every seven years you're supposed to have the land rest so there's wouldn't that be that great pattern. if we lived like yes that? and then the seventh seventh year so the 49th year so that's seven times seven um you get to the 50th year and that's your year of jubilee that's the sabbath holy sabbath that's the the sabbath that would maybe happen once in your lifetime because it happened every 50 years and so people would look forward to the year of jubilee because that was the year that everything rested if you were a slave you got free if you had debt it was forgiven mm -hmm. if your land needed to rest it's going to rest again so that was the ultimate year and um, in Isaiah, he calls it the favorable year of the Lord. And mm -hmm. he says that there's going to be coming a time where the favorable year of the Lord is never going to end. That jubilee that you're waiting for your whole life is going to come and it's never going to end. Mm -hmm. And then when Jesus on a Sabbath day goes to the synagogue and he reads from that passage and he says, the favorable year of the Lord has come and I am fulfilling that. That's mm -hmm. so great. And he's saying, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to free you. I'm here to set the captives free. I'm here to fulfill the year of jubilee, that Sabbath. And his whole ministry was a year of jubilee, like celebration. Mm -hmm. He was going around setting people free. And that was who he was. So he was fulfilling this idea of, I am the Sabbath. And he even says in Matthew 11, come to me if you're burdened, I will give you rest. And so he fulfills that idea of rest. And so for me, I mark a day as well. And I try to honor that 24 hour time period of I'm resting because I know now that I'm like, God told the Israelites, you are no longer a slave in Egypt. Jesus says to me, you are no longer a slave to your sin. Mm -hmm. You're no longer a slave to these rules. I am your freedom. I am your rest. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. And so I try to mark out a specific time just to remember that I'm no longer a slave to the person I used to be, to the sin that used to make me feel enslaved. Mm. I, I can rest in Jesus because he is the fulfillment. And I loved the point in your sermon where you said he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father his job is done he's brought the new covenant he set us free and now he's resting forever at the right hand of his father mm -hmm. and he calls us to do the same and celebrate that mm. so that's so cool that's and, amazing and i'm thinking back on the life of christ he took sabbath yes. mm -hmm. so if christ did something i want to do it yes. mm -hmm. that's the only i don't have to say it. it's in the ten commands or not the ten commands 
But he took Sabbath in a way where he would say, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So if someone needs healed on the Sabbath, of course I would heal them. If someone, if my disciples are hungry on the Sabbath, of course we would grab something to eat. And he really got railed on for how he treated the Sabbath. But he would, he would even talk to modern day uh, Orthodox Jews. You know, you go to Jerusalem and it's just crazy, the Sabbath keeping yes. that goes on there, or New York City for that matter. And Jesus would come against that and say, you guys are working so hard to keep a rule, but you don't even know the God behind the rule. Right. And the God behind the rule wants you to have some rest. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I believe in Sabbath. The writer of Hebrews says mm -hmm. um, that Jesus brought a better Sabbath and, w mm -hmm. and his people had yeah. not entered into rest. Mm -hmm. And then the writer of Hebrews says there is still a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm -hmm. And the way we find it is by entering into God's presence all the time, but especially one day a week. Yeah. So... There's one other important point is on the 49th year. I mean, we're in the eternal 49th year of Jubilee. And you and, just said 49ers. And the 49ers <laughs> are in the Super Bowl. Amen. So we, they're obviously God's team for a reason. Amen. 49. Here we go. Year of Jubilee. Let's go Year Niners. Super Bowl. I think we should wrap it up with that. Perfect. Um, this was an awesome discussion. Thank you, Crystal. And um, we're gonna. I'm so excited about the next three weeks of the series are going to be equally good. Yes, because good. we're getting past the old covenant now, and we're going to talk about the new that Jesus mm -hmm. brought, and we're going to talk about those two commands – Love, love the Lord with everything you are and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about how difficult yeah. that is. And Those two commands will be harder than all 613 yep. of the old, but the Holy Spirit changes us and gives us this love for God and our love for our neighbors. And it's going to be great. Yep. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>